0: Hey, welcome to More Life, the Reentry Podcast, a podcast about offender reentry reform and advocacy. And I'm your host, Vankevia Gardner. Thank y'all for joining us today. So, this is our last episode of our Black History Month series. Um, I hope that throughout our previous episodes, y'all were able to gain Um, Some information, maybe learn something that you didn't know, teach somebody else something, or just share some information with someone else. Um, But this will be our last episode for the series. And in this episode today, we're going to be talking about Black mothers and how they navigate parenting, particularly during reentry. And so to talk about this today, I have a guest with us. Um, His name is Dr. Michael B. Mitchell. Um, Dr. Mitchell is an assistant professor of African-American studies and criminology at the College of New Jersey, where he teaches courses on race, crime, crime and justice, policing, social justice and the school to prison pipeline. Um, he identifies as a critical criminologist who challenges students and the public alike to see and understand the racist classes and sexist underpinnings of the American criminal legal system. Dr. Mitchell holds a BS and a PhD in administration of justice from Texas Southern university and an MA in criminology and criminal justice from the university of Texas at Arlington. He has both public facing and Referred publications on top, topics of social justice, prisons, returning citizens, and policing. And he is also the faculty advisor of the TCNJ chapter of Students for Prison Education and Reform, and serves as a volunteer and board member of the nonprofit organizations and state agencies throughout New Jersey. Um, so, Dr. Mitchell, thank you for coming on to share your expertise and to talk to us about Black mothers and how they navigate reentry. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, so before we like jump right, right into the content, um, I really want to just, you know, get an idea of what got you interested in reentry and how this became like your academic journey of research or interest. Or...
1: Uh, great question. Uh, so there's a number of factors that influence or led me to uh, the area of reentry uh first of all i grew up in 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 garland texas which is a suburb of dallas so i grew up in, i grew up in the south um, and uh throughout my life i've had a number of you know family members uh very close friends uh that you know landed in 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 jail or even even in state and federal prison um, and so i saw the pro- I, I saw the processes of reentry firsthand um, i saw the i saw individuals who we uh, were able to experience uh, what we may what we may consider or call successful reentry because maybe they had uh, you know supportive family members that they returned to. Uh, maybe they had you know uh, uh, you know a, a safe uh, safe place to come back home to and live. But I also saw those I saw those horror stories. I, I saw those sad stories of individuals coming back home uh, to no one and, and they had to live you know on the streets. Um, I heard of you know I I have you know a female friend who came home from from prison. Uh, and had to deal with sexual harassment and assault. Uh, had to come back home to, uh, you know, uh, very toxic environments. And so again, I saw I saw it up close. I saw it firsthand. Um, before I came to academia, I was a correctional officer and a police officer, and, and, and so I saw it professionally, uh, especially working in the county jail um, and and often interacting with individuals that were. You know, preparing to return home, um, and, and so uh, again, seeing you know working within the criminal legal system, uh, I was able to see reentry uh, from the standpoint of a criminal justice professional. Uh, and then, uh, what led me to focusing on you know reentry and family and in, in, in family life uh, is when I was a master's student at the University of Texas at Arlington. Uh, I had the privilege of engaging in a qualitative research project with my my faculty advisor, uh, Dr. Jaya Davis. Uh, where we uh, uh, well the, the study was focused on the experiences of uh, returning mothers, uh, and so through you know through some contacts that Dr. Davis had uh, with some nonprofit organizations in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, but also connections that I've developed myself, uh, I was able to conduct uh, 15 interviews with formerly incarcerated women um, that who had been incarcerated in you know county jails throughout Texas. Uh, but also state uh, and even federal prison. Uh, and so it was during that process where I, you know, I said to myself, wait a minute. Most of the individuals that I'm interviewing are, are, are mothers. They have children. Many of them have young children. Uh, and so I started to, to you know, learn more about that dynamic of uh, parental incarceration, uh, but more so from the perspective of, of parents themselves. Uh, and so, it, you know, my eyes were, were wide open. I wanted to learn more. Uh, and because I am you know a qualitative researcher, I you know I like to get close to my participants and I like to hear their stories and um and, and so again, being a, just receiving that experience doing a experience doing my 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 masters, uh, I said, you know what? i want to I want to delve more into this area of research, uh, but also engage in advocacy.
0: So you've worked pr- practically in the field. Um, with justice-involved populations, and now you're doing more qualitative research with them. Yes. Um, Do you ever see yourself going back to, like, the practical side of, whether, not asking, like, as a police officer or a correctional officer, but going back into, like, the field of doing work again? Uh, Well, I I feel as though now, even though
1: I am a professor, I am a researcher, I, I still feel as though I am a part of the field. Uh, I'm able to, uh, you know, I'm able to use my platform as a as a professor, as an educator, but also as a researcher to engage in advocacy, to support uh, community organizers that are doing very important work around, uh, you know, supporting those coming home from incarceration. And so in a sense, I still feel uh, closely connected without actually being employed within the system
0: okay no that's great um and yeah i was just trying to see there how how do you merge those two together um because i know like as an emerging professional um just trying to figure that out of you know how do you be a researcher and still be in the field without being in the field um if that makes sense um so thank you for sharing that with me um i so like i said our topic for today is really like talking about black mothers and how they navigate parenting during reentry, Um, and so I was kind of going through, um, the article that you have and I want you to kind of like, if you don't mind just kind of introducing us to why you chose to specifically study like black mothers. Um, why was that the focus of your article?
1: Uh, so, uh, the sort of data, so so uh, that particular article, uh, it's called Formerly Black Mothers uh, Matter Too, uh, Resistant Social Constructions of Motherhood. Uh, and so this article, or, or at least the, the idea of this manuscript, uh, came from a special issue within the prison journal, um, it, you know, very popular journal uh, for, uh, especially in the fields of criminology, criminal justice, for individuals who study and do research in the areas of penology, um, incarceration and reentry, and so forth. Uh, and so there was a special issue uh, that focused on uh, the nexus between Black Lives Matter and, and reentry. Uh, and so all of the pieces within this, this special issue uh, focused on, uh, you know, reentry to some extent, but also how reentry uh, is uh, an important social and racial justice, uh, you know, is an important social and racial justice uh, issue within the realm of Black Lives Matter and how uh, principles of the Black Lives Matter movement and even organization uh, fall in line and fall in tandem uh, with the experiences of returning citizens of color and just the the, the unique challenges that they face. Um, and so, typically, when we think about Black Lives Matter, um, their their you know their origins, <clears throat> we tend to think about police violence and police brutality, Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. Uh, but uh, reentry, the processes of, re- of reentry uh, and just that experience, especially for Black people in the United States. Uh, Is also a very racialized and gender uh, uh, issue, and so uh, again, within this special issue, all of the pieces, for one, were qualitative, uh, so they were they were grounded in interview data and ethnographic data, Um, and again, we were you know all of the pieces, including mine, uh, you know, took a uh, you know took this approach, qualitative approach to critically unpacking the unique experiences of returning citizens of color, uh, mainly you know mainly those who identify uh, as black. And so my piece uh, again during this time, I was a master student, and I I was you know I was working on this qualitative research project examining the experiences of the formerly incarcerated mothers uh, mainly in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, and so again I was I was noticing my in my interviews that for one most of the women that are coming in to this particular organization because I was recruiting from from a nonprofit uh, organization I was noticing that most of the women that were coming in. Were black not only black women, but they had children. They had dependent children, and 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 throughout my interviews, uh, I was seeing that, you know, uh, while you know I'm hearing some similar challenges, challenges finding employment, you know, housing, with with the black mothers in particular, uh, their experiences were were you know they were they were they were a little different. They were a little different than from from white mothers. Um, uh, I, I noticed that you know more of my black participants. They had, uh, you know, there there was this you know lack of this lack of social capital and economic capital, uh, and it often complicated their reentry experiences. Uh, I noticed, for instance, with some of the black mothers who uh, had been released from from prison, you know, they were going back to uh, distressed communities that were plagued by, by 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 violence and poverty, and so not only did they not only were they um, you know focusing on uh, navigating re-entry, you know, finding employment, uh, trying to land on their feet, but they had to worry about their children and worry about protecting their children in communities where there was gun violence and, 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 and you know, uh, over policing. And so these were challenges and experiences that I didn't see in those interviews. I didn't hear in those interviews with, with white mothers. Um, and so again, I had collected, you know, a number of interviews, 15 in total and, uh, I, I took from that data. Not all of those women were black, but most were. Uh, and so I took from that data and said, "Let me do a, uh, let me write a journal manuscript uh, with my faculty advisor." Because um, again, this is my first, um, this is my first experiences with, with conducting research. Uh, and so my faculty advisor thought, "Hey, well, why not work on a, not work, not, why not work on an article together? So that you can also receive that experience of, uh, you know, scholarly writing." And so, you know, again, there was a special issue. There was a, you know, call, you know, there was this, you know, they solicited um, authors, I was selected, uh, and we put together the paper and, uh, you know, and it, it, it led to the publication formerly, you know, formerly incarcerated Black Mothers Matter 2. Uh, now, the second part of that title, Resisting Social Constructions of Motherhood. I was inspired, you know, that particular uh that particular aspect of, of of mothering, especially black mothering, uh, especially black mothering among justice-involved mothers, that idea came from uh, Dr. Janet garcia uh, who's you know who, who's a renowned, renowned you know criminologist. She works at the University of New Haven. Um, but back that back during that time, I was a master's student, and I had I read across her 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 dissertation, um, her 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 PhD dissertation, uh, and it was on formerly incarcerated you know black mothers and just the the you know the experiences and challenges that they you know often encounter uh not only black mothers but uh you know west indian mothers and uh hispanic mothers and so uh in her article in her work uh she argues that you know for one uh when we you know re-entry you know re-entry is not you know re-entry experiences are not universal Uh, But even when you look at people of color, when you look at this, you know, when you look at the, you know, you look at people of color and their experiences, especially among women, uh, we tend to put them under this umbrella, uh, not understanding that there's nuance uh, to their experiences. Uh, And so, uh, again, you know, with her study, she focused on, you know, women of color. But again, you know, African-American, Latinx, but also uh, West Indian mothers. Uh, but in her, uh, you know, getting her methodological methodological approach, she decided not to just interview, for instance, women who were in, uh, you know, women who were in, uh, uh, who were, for instance, married, or women who had biological children. There were also children who, uh, there were also women who did not have, you know, they did not have bio- their own biological children, but they served, they, they stepped into this role of 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 taking care of a child or of several children. And so they identified as, as a mother. Uh, and so she, t- you know, again in her work, she she discussed the importance of, uh, uh, you know, getting away from studying even people of color and placing them under this un- one umbrella. Uh, and so I took that idea and applied it to my own research that I was doing at the time. Um, and so again, in in my you know in my, my in my methodology, uh, you know, my the interview questions that I asked, I did not make this assumption. I did not make these assumptions about uh, motherhood and mothering and what that looks like for all women, especially women coming out of, you know, women transitioning from incarceration.
0: Yeah. that's one of the things like, even when I was reading is, um, I really like that statement of like, that the re-entry experiences are not universal. Um, and, um, you know, and I know that like, um, you so you're focus on you're focusing on motherhood and parenting. Um, can you tell us just I guess like a little bit why you took the route that you did of like because like isn't there research already out there on mothering and parenting um, and what's a little different about yours the way you did it? Yeah,
1: and so uh, when you know when we're talking about you know parenting and motherhood, uh, first of all in the United States or or you know in uh, Western society. Uh, mothering, parent you know, parenting is often uh, it, it, it's often viewed or it, it falls under this uh, the lens of white hegemonic uh, ideals and, and, and ideologies. And so, for instance, a mother is supposed to, uh, you know when we think of mothers, uh, we think of women, uh, typically we think of white middle class women and white middle class femininity. Uh, and so black women and women of color have always felt outside of that. And so with my study, uh, I looked at again, how for instance, for black women, uh even going back to the period of slavery uh they have always had to their motherhood has always existed outside of uh you know white you know dominant hegemonic ideals uh so for instance uh you know mothers are expected to to you know uh give you know insurmountable time and 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 and, and even resources and 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 uh emotional you know support to their children while black women also you know uh may abide by these ideals they they their their parenting is often restricted uh due to structural inequalities uh you know such as uh you know poverty and discrimination and all of these factors and so again for mother you know for for black mothers they've always existed outside of these white you know uh you know this, you know white feminine uh femininity and, and so what I saw in my my data was that you know for instance uh again you know black mothers have to worry about Protecting their children in a racist society, a, you know, they have to worry about uh, raising their children in, in environments and neighborhoods uh, that were, again, affected by 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 violence. Um, and so, again, these are often challenges and experiences uh, and social realities that white women, especially middle class white men, women, don't have to worry about. Uh, and so, again, in my study, I wanted to look at the how black women, justice-involved black women, uh, employ their own. Uh, ideals and strategies of, of, of mothering, uh, especially while under the supervision and surveillance of the state.
0: Yeah. So you were talking about how they employ some of these, you know, these strategies. Are you able to share with us how they did that, um, or some ways in which they did that?
1: hmm Um, so, uh, so when I think back to, uh, so, 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 for instance, I, I I recall, um, I believe in that particular article, uh, I have a theme that focuses on uh, uh, you know m- mental illness and addiction and and so i I recall a, a particular participant who uh, you know, she had battled, you know, mental illness, you know, pretty much all her life. um yet she you know she was incarcerated, shes you know, she was arrested, she was incarcerated, She did time in prison. Uh, and so when she came home, one of her challenges was, you know, was, was, was finding housing. Um, and this is a, you know, this is a, a challenge that many returning citizens often, you know, I- experience, uh, especially, you know, returning citizens of color. And so she, you know, she was, she came back to the community. Uh, she, you know, tried to regain custody of her, of her children. I believe she had two sons. Um, and she was searching for housing because again, you know it's, she has to also think about the safety and security of her of her children. And so uh she you know she she although she she cared about our children, uh she did you know she she was there for them she tried to provide to the best of her abilities uh her you know she she was she was presented with certain challenges specifically her mental illness uh, it was you know she dealt with severe mental illness, chronic mental illness. Um, and in her search for housing, not only did she uh, face uh, not only did she face housing discrimination uh, because of her criminal record, uh, but it was tough for her finding a job. So she literally came out and t- she came out and had no money. Um, and the way in which she was able to, you know, uh, uh, purchase, you know, the way, way when she was able to pay rent, uh, she eventually found, uh, you know, an apartment. And the way in which she was able to put down her first month's rent was donating plasma. And then the third and then a few dollars that she had from, from uh MHMR. Uh, and so I connected that back to uh how even during the you know, time of slavery, uh black women you know sacrificed their bodies, sacrificed you know, sacrifice their, their, their lives uh for the safety and protection of their children. Uh and so again, uh you know, this, you know, she because one of the questions in which I asked all of my participants was, in your opinion, what are the definitions? Of a good mother, you know, what are the definitions of a bad mother? Um, and you know, in this particular participant, with this particular participant, she she identified, she said, Well, you know, I feel despite my mistakes, despite you know, my incarceration, um, I, you know, I still care about, and I still love my children and I see myself as a good mother. Uh, and so when she was searching for housing, uh, you know, it was it was a it was a you know, she had been searching for months and she was constantly being denied uh and so she finally had to again donate plasma sacrifice to her body uh something that was even painful for her uh but again, her children were in the back of her mind her children uh were you know her children were important because she had no support she had no social support uh she had very you know she had no family to help give her to give her financial resources to again put down first month first month's rent uh and so again while she Uh, similar to other mothers, white mothers, while she showed her, you know, while she gave her children attention, um, she didn't have the resources to provide, you know, she didn't have the resources to provide them with money. Uh, And she also had to sacrifice. And the way in which she sacrificed was, again, donating, donating a part of her body uh, so that her children could have a a roof to live under. Uh, And so, uh, you know, so connecting her experiences and the experiences of some of my other participants, Black participants, uh, you see that, uh, again, their experiences are often racialized and gendered, but also connected to the racial history of our co- of this country. Especially when we look at the period of slavery, um, and, and, and again, the experiences of black women on the plantation, and again, how they have to sacrifice their bodies and do endure and uh, sexual assault and rape, um, oftentimes to protect, you know, to, to to make sure that nothing happened to their children, that their children weren't sold. Uh, or, or their husband wasn't, you know, their husband wasn't whipped, and so again, I, I saw that um, these black women, in particular, they sacrificed their bodies, uh, they they sacrificed everything they had, um, even put themselves into toxic situations, even remained in abusive, you know, relationships uh, in an abusive household. Something that I did not address extensively in that article, uh, but again, even remaining in in abusive relationships uh for the protection of their children so that their children could have you know could have a, a safe place to live even though they themselves were constantly in danger
0: and you know you may my thought came back of what I wanted to say earlier is uh so what I'm hearing is that the the patterns that we kind of well I guess um not even the patterns but like there is historically There is history behind this, rooted all the way back from slavery. It is just showing up in a very different sense, in a very different way. And so the very things that Black women were doing during slavery are the same things that are happening to them when they come out of incarceration and they're having to reenter in society.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, And, and, you know, one thing, especially, uh, uh, you know, with, with, with Black women in particular, and I even noticed this with some of my, uh, you know, with some of my Latinx, you know, mothers, um, is that while they, you know, for one, so many of them lost, their, lost custody of their children. Um, and so they lost their children to uh, what I call in my, my dissertation, uh, historically oppressive systems and institutions. Um, and so they lost their children to the foster care system. Um, they lost their, you know, some lost their children to the juvenile justice system, but those who had older children, their children, uh, ended up, uh, being incarcerated themselves. Uh, and so again, their, their their story, um, their story was a story of survival. Their story was a story of of resistance and resilience, um, and not saying that they were all strong, um, but they, with limited support or with no social, uh, with no support, uh, they had to do they had to do the best they could with what they had, and 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 with some of my white mothers, you know, one or two, uh, you know, faced maybe some additional challenges or or maybe return to uh, similar environments, uh, but because of their white skin privilege, uh, it was easier for them to find a job, you know, easier for them to, uh, in some cases, locate you know find locate and find housing. Um, and so again, they still were privileged, although they may have shared some of the same uh negative experiences after transitioning back into society,
0: yeah, and I think um, like you know when we're talking about this, I'm also thinking about like um just black women in general of how that that trend or that pattern is just a part of our life just as being just being a black woman Um, because I'm thinking about my mom and like me growing up granted my mom's not just as involved but that idea of like I have to do what I have to do in order to take care of my child and in order to protect my child Um, and I imagine having a criminal record having to worry about all these other different things um, then experiencing exclusion because of that record and still trying to take care of my children or trying to get them back. It's not an easy process for these individuals, and that's what makes it so different when you're looking at a white woman that's a mother, and you're looking at a black woman that's a mother.
1: Right, right. You, you know that that the tag of a, a, a that tag of the felony label, as you know, we learned in in you know several literatures, but especially in the Jim Crow uh, by Michelle Alexander. The tag of that felony label—it uh, does so much damage. And so you're right. I mean, just being—you uh, know—just being black in America, in 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 particular, uh, it is a challenge. Uh, it, you know, just living and surviving every day is an act of resistance. Uh, but again, being labeled a felon uh, and having to—and and, and, you know, having to navigate—you know—the state. Um, and again, you know, just dealing with the the, the collateral consequences of a criminal record. Uh, also with the, the, the tag of, of race and the social media of race in a society. Uh, it just makes the experience that much worse.
0: Yeah, I'm currently, I just recently started um, the new Jim Crow book. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to finishing it. And I've, people have really recommended it. So I'm reading it And I and I definitely agree. And just like the research that I have been doing of the idea of having those three identities of, um, gender, race, and then a criminal record, it looks totally different depending on what your gender is, what your race is. And if you hold all three, like as a black woman, a black woman and a criminal record or a black man and a criminal record, like the reentry process is just so much more challenging is what it seems like. And what I've been hearing from the people that I've interacted with, or just the research that I've been reading. Um, yeah.
1: And, 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 you know, and, and so a, a major critique of one of my colleagues, I know you, uh, one of your guests was one of my uh, colleagues, uh, Dr. Jennifer Ortiz, who, who, uh, who does, you know, amazing work looking at the uh, uh, prisoner reentry industrial complex, as, as she calls it. Um, and, and so, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking about one of her major critiques, and I shared this critique, that reentry, uh, you know, for one, reentry, the experiences of reentry are not universal. Uh, but in this country, uh you know it's you know f- especially for the for the last during the last few decades, I think it's s- slowly improving, uh but reentry is taking this one size fits all approach uh, and again, we take it you know we, we consider the fact that you know again, people of color, you know women um you know just involve individuals that are parents when we when we recognize that again, they have distinct experiences and challenges, uh, a one-size-fits-all approach does not do them justice. Um, as as a matter of, it's a it's it's a disservice. And so again, you have to you have to have uh, what I would argue a culturally, you know, culturally uh, responsive uh, reentry. You know, reentry programming. Um, and you know, you have I think you have some smaller nonprofits in various states that you know that are that are uh, approaching reentry from this standpoint. Uh, bit writ large, uh, it's, you know, overwhelmingly reentry programming is, you know, whether it be on a state level, on the federal level, uh, it, it, they take this one size fits all approach. And uh, the, you know, the 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 indicator or uh, the barometer of successful reentry is not recidivating. But again, you can be a woman, uh, a woman of any race or ethnic background. uh you know, you can be in a community. You can be working a, you know, you can be working not even minimum wage, but working, uh, uh, you know, uh, working under the table, uh, and you can be arrested, you know, because because you know you, because it's not legal employment. You know, you're not making an actual paycheck. But again, this might be all that you can this might be all that you can uh, that you can find again because we know that employment discrimination uh among uh, especially among individuals with criminal records is it, it happens it occurs um but again taking uh you know taking you know taking apart this one-size-fits-all approach and realizing that uh reentry is not universal uh even when we look at geography uh you know you typically might have more resources or programs in you know in urban areas versus rural areas so what if you're black and, and, and returning to a rural community that you're, you're even more, you know, you're even more at a disadvantage. Uh, and so again, taking, you know, uh, implementing, you know, resp- culturally responsive reentry programming, uh, is in my opinion, a, a step in the right direction.
0: And, and I definitely agree. I think one of the biggest questions, well, not even one of the biggest questions, but one of the questions I have is like, what steps can we start taking to move in that direction like or what steps do we need to be taking to move to more culturally responsive programs, culturally responsive assessments um for reentry. You got do you have any ideas there?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so so my ideas um you know I I have a few you know ideas uh they might not be as, as as polished, but first of all, you have to I think that first of all, I think there needs to be more involvement, more inclusion of returning citizens, more formerly incarcerated individuals uh, to show us what reentry should look like. Uh, Because again, they are directly impacted, so they know what they need. Uh, And so I think that for one, we have to have returning citizens at the forefront uh, of of such such an effort or initiative. Uh, Also too, if we're thinking about professionals who often work in reentry service organizations uh, who would be implementing uh, you know, in part implementing, uh, these culturally responsive strategies, they need to be culturally competent themselves. And so that goes to cultural competence training, uh, especially with justice involved population. And so that means that in educational institutions, uh, in social work programs, in, in criminology programs and psychology programs, uh, there needs, you know, culture, you know, cultural competency or culture, you know, uh, um, you know, there needs to be a culturally responsive curriculum, especially for students or, or aspiring professionals who want to work with these populations. Uh, but it also means that you need to have more diversity among faculty and educators and instructors. Um, and so uh, and so what it looks like, um, I can't give you a, 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 you know, an organized blueprint, but I, I will argue that returning citizens should be at the forefront.
0: And, you know, and I agree, like, I don't think there's a blueprint that we can print out right now either. Um But I do think these are ideas and these are very practical ideas that that really can be done, what you're talking about. Um, And if I can bring it back to our topic of today, thinking about black mothers and moving towards more culturally responsive programs for them, I guess, what would you suggest or what considerations um, would you have
1: you know, first of all, we have to, uh, you know, remember that, uh, you know, so first first of all, you have to realize that m- mothers uh, of all races, races and ethnicities uh, typically are the primary caregivers of their children. Uh, and so when they get arrested, it disrupts the whole family unit. Um, and so uh, but you also have to you have to we have to also have to understand that, uh, uh, you know, not all black people come from disenfranchised communities, uh, but we're more likely to. And so you have to think about, uh, you know, you have to think about the the social, you know, the 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 environments and the environmental factors, and you know, uh, poverty, and again, the communities uh, that many of these mothers come from. And 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 so in developing culturally responsive reentry programming, you have to know you have to know for one, what type of communities are they returning to? Uh, what does their family structure look like? Because in many of our families and communities, uh, are, they've been decimated by mass incarceration. Uh, and, and so many family members have been in, in, in impacted and have criminal records. Uh, uh, you have, you know, so so you have, again, you have to understand the community in which they come from and where they're returning to. Um, you, have to you have to know that, again, discrimination in employment exists. Uh, and so simply giving a pamphlet uh, to a list of jobs, but not actually, you know, take into account that. You know, some of these employ, you know, some of these employers may still, uh, still be discriminating. For instance, based on, based on an, based on the applicant's name. Uh, so, if, so, so, so an employer seeing Shaniqua, seeing Shantae, they automatically may discriminate against them based on their name. We know that that exists. We know that that happens. We know that uh, there are so-called there is so-called discrimination uh, based on black sounding names. And again, I put, you know, I I put asterisks around that. Uh, and so again, just re- just realizing, you know, taking to taking into account that this our society is 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 organized, it, it, it is it, it, it around race and and racism and racism is embedded within our social structure. Uh, and so again, you know, simply giving a pamphlet, uh, or 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 again, you know, telling, uh, uh, you know, having, you know, a support group. Uh, 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 cause I did, I did sit in on a few, um, support groups for mothers, uh, in when I was collecting my data. And so again, in these support groups, uh, or in these groups where, you know, parenting classes, you have to take into account again, the, 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 the different realities or, or the different challenges, uh, of, of parenting as a black woman. But again, that education, uh, you know, that, that education and though, even those referrals, They have to come from individuals who have an understanding of these communities. Uh, And so, again, you know, you need more people. Yes, I think there should be more POC representation uh, in reentry programming and organizations. But again, uh, there should also be returning citizens. So black women, black mothers uh, who, you know, who are also able to or or trained, properly trained to assist other other women coming out of prison, other women with children coming out of prison, peer mentoring uh many many women that i spoke to black women in particular who felt as though they had uh you know they didn't have any family support or maybe they maybe their family uh excluded them uh because of because they had a criminal record because they had maybe been to prison more than once um they 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 didn't have they didn't have that support and so they are they argue for the need for more peer mentoring you know peer mentoring groups or 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 supports you know other women that have been through this uh you know that you know, that came from the hood and, and, and are going back to the hood. Um, and because they understand the environments that they also live in and they understand the fears that they have and the concerns they have for their children's safety and for their own safety, again, we need individuals with their lived experiences that are given the platforms and employed and, and, and given the opportunity to give back and help those, you know, women that are coming behind them that, that in similar situations.
0: And I I think that's where like qualitative work really comes into of like qualitative research and getting an understanding of the experiences. And I will say just in my research of, you know, going out and trying to find research on black individuals in their reentry process, not a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's emerging. I have seen in the past couple of years, like a lot of people doing their dissertations on, um, you know, Black experiences with reentry. But I think that that is very important. And um, I think as professionals, what I'm hearing from you, if you are a professional or emerging clinicians, like it's really important for us to be partnering with those that have the direct experience um, and learning from them um what their needs are and understanding the communities, regardless of what the race is if it's latinx or if it's black but really understanding their communities where they came from and where they will be going back to Mm -hmm. okay that makes a lot of sense to me um and i I think that there is room for that and i will say like in my program where i met um and i haven't seen this in a lot of programs so i and i even in my master's program there were and Um, programs specifically or like classes or courses specifically dedicated to working with justice-involved populations. So we need more of that. I don't even know if programs have that.
1: Yeah. um, I'm not, because, you know, my background is in in, in criminology, but, uh, but, but you, you know, we, I will say this, uh, you're right. We are seeing more critical, uh, I, I would say critical and qualitative research, more of that, you know, emerging, Uh, I would say in the social sciences, because I've seen some really good work in, 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 you know, like family science journals, family studies journals, um, some really good work, you know, in sociology and also, you know, criminology, criminal justice. Um, But I, I, you know, one, another thing that I would like to share is, uh, uh, so you do have, so if you think, if we're thinking about, for instance, uh, uh, you know, organizations that are, or, or community support, you know, community organizations that, you know, what can, basically, what can we do? What can we do to help these populations? Um, especially returning citizens who have children, uh, because another thing that I used to do, uh, I would, before I would even start my interview, I I always like to build rapport. I think building rapport with, you know, with your, with your participants is so important. And it also makes the interview process that that much easier. And so, uh, you know, m- many many of the women I spoke to, many of the mothers that I interviewed and I talked to, uh, on the one hand, they were describing or discussing in depth a, a very, to many of them, a very embarrassing and um, a very sad, you know, part of their life. You know, something that they don't like to bring, they don't like to talk about. But they also found joy in the fact that someone actually saw them as a mother. And so many of my participants, participants of color felt as though. That they had they had a they had a felony um and that they were they they were a, they were just a criminal you know uh uh they they felt as though that was just the society's views of them uh even in their families they felt embarrassed because uh not only did they have a criminal record but they had children and so they they felt like they had to navigate uh these 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 labels uh, these perceptions of, of of being a bad mother um and so i i, I told i told all of them listen you know before we start this interview i just want to let you know that uh you know you're you're not the worst thing that you've done and uh uh you know i and, and you and you're more than you know and you're not you're not a criminal uh you're you know you're not a bad mother uh despite some of them sharing that yes i was on drugs i left my sometimes i left my children with my mother for days uh but i told them you know f- from me to you you're not a bad mother and many of them actually and many of them it, it made them emotional because they felt as though they forfeited their their parental rights you know uh even though even so even though some of them had you know been out of prison for maybe two years, three years uh six months uh they, they, they again that was a you know it was a a, a, it was a scarlet letter for them it was something that they just couldn't shape uh and and i I've done a number of interviews with people coming home from prison, but again speaking to parents. Uh, they felt as though, you know, I, 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 this is, this is, this is, this is a, uh, it's like a stain on my sweat that I can't erase. Um, and also too, not only were they impacted themselves individually, but their children went years or went several months without them in their lives. And so their children uh, had to go to school and Bts. Their children um, sometimes had to move to different states, you know, because, because there was nobody... You know there was nobody in their hometown that could take care of them. And so they had to go maybe in another to another state or states away to go live with grandma. Uh, or some again, some of them lost their children to foster care. Uh, and so again, just you know reminding them that, you know, you are more than the worst thing that you've done. You're more than your record. Uh, you know, you're still a mother, you're still a sister, you're still an aunt. Uh, you know, you you you're still you still have worth and you still have value. Um, and so I think that, you know, especially when dealing with this population or working with and supporting this population, um, uh, in the, especially in the community, um, first you have to, you have to instill, you're not instill, but you have to remind that you are a mother, you are a father, you do have worth. Um, and, uh, and you have to also talk about, you have to also, I think we should also incorporate the entire family unit, uh, if, when possible. And so I think in reentry programming with parents, um, instead of just, for instance, having the parent go to cl- take parenting classes, why not have a, a, a support groups or classes where the entire family, you know, so if you have mother, father, or 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 if it's a you know a, a same sex couple, uh, and, and, and 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 you know you have children, why not include the entire family unit? And so many of them, uh, even some of the fathers I interviewed, I know we're talking about mothers, but even the fathers that I interviewed um, in you know for my dissertation, they felt as though uh, that's something that reentry programs lack: uh, the inclusion of all, you know, the entire family. Uh, you know, the caregivers. What role do they play? Or, 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 or a role do they play in the reintegration process? Because oftentimes, especially with formerly incarcerated mothers, and especially formerly incarcerated Black women, it's the maternal grandparents uh, that are taking care of the children. Um, or you know, they might be. You know, they might stay with another family member, like an aunt. Or uh, or a sister, uh, or they'll end up in a foster care system. But largely, it's the maternal grandparents. And so, again, what role does the caregivers? What role does you know do our do our black grandmothers, you know, who who often you know uh, uh, take custody of these cho- of their children? Uh, what role do they play? How can we support them? What do they need? Um, and so, uh, again, they thought that hey, you know, many of the some of the mothers I talked to needed therapy. Um, because of the trauma that they endured, uh, both pre-incarceration but also during incarceration. Um and they've, you know, they they felt as though they needed family therapy. They needed therapy not only for themselves, but they needed therapy with them and their children because they also faced exclusion and and, and resentment from the for their from their children when they came back into the community. Um and, and so again, what can we do uh in, in the community? I, I am a grassroots person. Uh I do believe that a lot of reentry programs uh, are underfunded. Uh, They're they're ill-equipped to deal with, you know, deal with the challenges that people coming home from incarceration often face. Um, And so not only do I think we need that culturally responsive piece, uh, realizing that, you know, we have to look at reentry intersectionally, but also too, um, uh, I think that, uh, you know, you need, you know, states and local governments um, need to you know put more put more investment need to invest more in community base you know community based uh re-entry support um reentry should also start on day one because you'll have in, you know because you'll hear so many times you know i've heard this even in personal conversations uh with individuals you know that i know coming out of uh you know coming out of prison in particular state and federal prison uh that you know the, the reentry support or reentry programming on the inside is is very limited uh sometimes you might not be able to, you might not go to a reentry class to prepare you for release until the week of and so again you know you're 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 you you're, you're step back into you step back out into the free world and you don't know where to go uh not every state gives you know not every state gives you gate money, so you know you might be leaving prison with no funds um, and, and you know or, or, or no list of, of uh, you know hotels in the area uh, you know because again, you know you're you're coming out and you you have nothing or you have very limited uh, finances that maybe you you kept you know, you brought from your commissary account uh while you were incarcerated. And so uh, again, investing more in, into community based uh, community based programs. Uh, uh, and again, we should have, I think that, you know, there should be more, you know, more involvement, uh, even more employment among those who are returning citizens, uh, because again, you know, as a, as a, you know, psychologist, as a criminologist, as a researcher, uh, you know, we, you know, we, in a sense, we have the information, um, because we know how to do the research. Um, but there, I think there are some things that we just don't know, uh, or we're, or, or we're not, or we're not the correct individuals to, 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 to. Uh, give that assistance because we don't have the proximity, you know, it's not our lived experiences. Um, And so again, putting, putting returning citizens at the forefront, but also supporting them, uh, you know, emotionally, financially, um, and, you know, helping those that are, you know, being released every day from incarceration.
0: I have three comments, three comments. (laughs) First one, um, you were talking about labels and I think that's like, a really important thing is like, I really like that you reminded the participants of who they were um, because it is so easy when you, once you get that criminal record label um, like that becomes your sole identity. Like every other identity that you may have had is like, it's stripped from you and having an identity like that's as powerful as being a mother and having that taken away from you. Like that just sounds painful. Um, and to view yourself only as, you know, well, I'm a criminal or this is how they see me. Um, so I think that's a really important thing is just like reminding these individuals, like you are people, you have value, um, and you still have other roles in life too. Like this mistake doesn't define you. So I really do like that part. Um, I also agree with you on, um, the families being incorporated into, uh, um the parenting classes because like it just like even just my own personal experience um and interacting with other people too oftentimes and I was gonna do some work at a local reentry program parenting for uh fathers that there but it was just parenting for them and it's such a like there's so many different layers to it like it's not just they need parenting skills. And I put quotation marks around that as if they don't know how to parent. Um, it's how do you integrate them back into the family? And you need the whole family there for that, like n- not just them. So I think that that's a really important thing of, you know, bringing the children in. If the maternal grandparent is uh, coming in and... um and all those things. But yes, I really do. I agree. And um, I thank you for those tips. And um, I do want to say, Dr. Mitchell, thank you so much for all of you know your expertise. Um, and is there anything else that you would like to add before we get off of here?
1: Um, no, I mean, thank you again for having me. Um, I you know this is a, a very, this is a critical social problem, social issue. Uh, and so again, I applaud you for, for having, you know, creating this platform. Uh, For not only academics, um, you know, uh, not only academics, but people who are directly involved, but also uh, folks who do this work every day, uh, you know, as uh, professionals, as, you know, clinicians. Uh, So, again, I I applaud you providing this platform for uh, a diversity uh, of guests, you know, who can speak to the issue. So please keep it up.
0: Yes, sir. And thank you so much. um, And audience, I hope you all really enjoyed that conversation today and that you were able to take something not just from this episode, but from our entire series. Um, And I want to ask y'all that you follow us on Instagram at um, More Life the Reentry Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please push the subscribe button below. I will also make sure that I put Dr. Mitchell's information as far as any research or professional links in the description box below. And thank you.